here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. We need someone to guide and direct and to watch over us. And Jesus said, I am that shepherd. I am the good shepherd. We're not just physical beings. We're spiritual beings. And our spiritual life depends on our relationship with God. Take that connection away from us and we will flounder, we'll lose our way, we'll find ourselves robbed by the thief. Pastor Ed shares with us in today's message the power of believing that Jesus is our shepherd. We are nothing without Jesus. He is our guide, our protection, and our friend. If we were to try to do life without Him and try our best to be spiritual, we would inevitably fail. And what's more, we would be completely susceptible to the enemy's devious ways. He is the thief that is always watching for an opening, a place to seek in and destroy. But when we rely on Jesus, we will forever be protected. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, The Good Shepherd. The 10th chapter of the Gospel of St. John, beginning to read with verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. When I grew up in New York, I attended a grammar school. It was elementary and it was junior high combined. It used to be first to eighth grade together. And that school was called Good Shepherd. They had pictures throughout the church and in the school of the Good Shepherd. That was Jesus holding a lamb in his arms, surrounded by sheep. In the church, they had stained glass windows, beautiful windows where you could see a shepherd with sheep. Those of us who grew up in Sunday school are familiar with the pictures, perhaps in the Sunday school classroom, of a shepherd and sheep. In the material or perhaps on a, a card that you've received. Well, where do we get that imagery from? Well, I believe that imagery comes right here from John chapter 10, where Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Of course, he was basing it on the Old Testament imagery of a shepherd. Uh, the leaders in the nation of Israel were called shepherds. For example, Moses and David and the kings were called the shepherds of Israel. But there was one great supreme shepherd. We're told about him throughout the Old Testament. God himself claims to be that shepherd. In Psalm 100, verse 3, it reads, I know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And then in Isaiah chapter 40, see, the sovereign Lord comes with power. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those 
that have young. This passage of scripture was referring to God. In Ezekiel, the 34th chapter, the passage of scripture that was being read during the Feast of Dedication, when chapter 10 took place, when Jesus gave the parable in verses 1 to 6 on the shepherd and the sheep and the people didn't understand it, he goes on to explain it. But they were familiar with the terminology of sheep and a shepherd because it was part of their heritage and part of their culture, but even part of the liturgy at that time during the Feast of Dedication, or we would call the Feast of Hanukkah. They would read Ezekiel chapter 34. And Jesus was now setting himself up in contrast to the leaders that had come and claimed to be Messiah and himself, and the religious leaders that had failed to be shepherds of Israel. And he was declaring that he was the good shepherd. Here in this chapter, you have the characteristics of what a good shepherd is, what God is to his people, what he is to you and to me. The first characteristic that I want to draw your attention to is the shepherd's devotion to his sheep. In verse 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Here's a contrast to the thief, the robber, who's come to kill, steal, and destroy You know, that's really a picture of Satan. It's a picture of our spiritual adversary, the devil, that wants to take all that God has given to you away from you. Your destiny, his plan for your life, the blessings that he would desire to bestow upon you. The adversary, the devil, is about like a roaring lion, the Bible says. He goes about like a roaring lion, ready to devour, to destroy, to kill. The tragic, tragic thing is that people often put their trust in the wrong shepherd. They put their trust in things that in the moment of crisis in the moment of danger, will abandon them. Will leave them outside of the wall of security, outside of God's protection. They have a promise of security that they make, a promise of protection that they make, but they don't come through on those promises. In the text, in verses 11 to 14, you see that someone who puts their trust and someone other than the good shepherd will be abandoned. Look at the text, verses 11 to 14. I am the good shepherd. And that's again the quality of who Jesus is. He's a good shepherd. He's the genuine. He's a real. That's the meaning of the word in this particular context. I am the good shepherd. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So, when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it the man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep I am the good shepherd Jesus declares that he is 
that good shepherd in contrast to the bad shepherd. Israel had some kings who brought judgment and ruin on their nation. Israel had religious leaders who failed to speak the truth to the people. And because of that, they wandered into sin and they brought judgment upon themselves. Jesus declares that he is the good shepherd. Sheep can't defend themselves. Yeah, other animals can run or flee or fight against an animal that would come in and try and destroy the flock. Sheep don't even make an effort to protect their young. They are vulnerable to attack, to the prey of the enemy. How much like us the sheep are? We're like sheep. I had a friend who pastored in the shadow of Harvard. And the pastor told me, they're pastoring right close to Harvard University. They were so surprised at all of the intellectuals that got caught up in cults. Those working on their PhD or doctors or just brilliant people. But when it came to spiritual perception, they didn't have it. They liked it. We're vulnerable when it comes to the attack of the enemy. People don't generally have spiritual discernment. We need a shepherd. We need Christ. Uh, we need that good shepherd to watch over us. I think of a survey that George Barner took. In this survey, he surveyed teenagers. And he asked them in a moment of danger, in a moment of crisis, and going through something real difficult, who do they turn to? Number 25 on the list was their father. Their mothers fared a little bit better. They were number 11. Most of them turned to music, turned to their friends and peers. The people who care most and love most and could give the best guidance, those teenagers didn't turn to. But rather they turned to friends and to culture. Well, parents didn't fare as well either. We're not always that wise either. In the Chicago Tribune magazine, there was a report a number of years ago about an intuitive healer. You could call up this person without even meeting with them and they could diagnose you and tell you what's wrong with you. The troubling thing about that was the amount of people that believed it, even physicians. We need a shepherd. We need someone to guide and to direct and to watch over us. And Jesus said, I am that shepherd. I am the good shepherd. We're not just physical beings. We're spiritual beings. And our spiritual life depends on our relationship with God. Take that connection away from us and we will flounder. We'll lose our way we'll find ourselves robbed by the thief who takes purpose and meaning out of life. You'll find yourself hollow, like a tree eaten out from the inside, a shell. 
No, that's what's happening in our culture right now. We are becoming more a pagan nation. A friend of mine called me up the other day and he said, did you know they've changed the dollar bill and they have now dollars that are in, you know, just a, a coin size? I said, oh yeah. He said, well, they just made a change. They took off in God we trust on those coins. In a time when we most need God's help as a nation, we're turning our back. That's dangerous. We need Jesus Christ. We need the Good Shepherd. Without Him, we will lose our way. Jesus promised us the life that was to the full, brimming over. My cup runneth over, the psalmist said. In verse 10, He promises us the abundant life. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That's the New King James. The NIV says life to the full. Life is not lived from the outside in. It's from the inside out. It's not what surrounds us that makes life meaningful. It's what's within us that gives us the ability to enjoy life. When we have it right with God, we will enjoy an abundant life. The good shepherd protects the sheep. In the Middle East, they still have shepherds and sheep. And uh, I enjoyed when I've gone over to the Middle East to see shepherds and sheep. Sometimes visitors come and they want to try to fool the sheep. So they may dress up in that shepherd's garb and they try and mimic the sound of the shepherd, but the sheep won't listen. They won't follow. Shepherds would have pens. They were walls built of stone and they would plant on those walls thorn bushes and, and put sharp, rugged uh, plants around there so an animal wouldn't climb over or it would be very difficult for someone to climb over. And they would have a narrow entrance. You would find this in the cities and you would find it out in the desert areas where they would lead the sheep. Now in the cities often what you would find is many times shepherds would bring their sheep together. And so you would have different folds in the same pen. But when a shepherd came and gave his distinct call, his sheep would get up and they would leave that pen. Jesus said that he is our shepherd and he wants to lead us into that abundant life. What is that abundant life? It's a life lived in Psalm 23. It's a life of experiencing Psalm 23 where he says, I shall not want. It doesn't mean that you don't have Needs, it means that God so satisfies you inside that you're satisfied with what he gives. Satisfied, satisfied. He said he'd be my comforter. He said he'd be my guide. Ever since that wonderful day, my soul's been satisfied, the songwriter says. He leads me beside the still waters and the green pastures. He knows how to feed us. He knows how to calm our troubled soul. He restores my soul. Sheep are much like 
turtles. Ever see a turtle when they're on their back, they have a hard time getting back over? Well, sheep are less likely to turn themselves over than a turtle is. So once a sheep is on its back, it's done for. And the shepherd has to come and turn it over and then help the circulation to start flowing through its extremities, its legs again. When they call that a cast position, our good shepherd knows when we're on our back and we can't get ourselves over. We're, we're in a situation where we can't get ourselves out of that situation. The good shepherd promises to watch over us, to protect us, to guide us, to keep us. That's his promise. Jesus tells us that he comes to satisfy our deepest needs. In John 6.35 it says this, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. The good shepherd is devoted to the sheep. It's not a part-time job. It's a full-time job. It's something that he has committed himself to do. Our good shepherd has made a commitment to you. His commitment to you is greater than your commitment to him. His commitment to you is incredible. So incredible that it led him to make a sacrifice. The shepherd's sacrifice for his sheep is another characteristic of what the good shepherd is like. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. If they were to vaporize your body and someone wanted to cash in, they would have about $4 and change worth of chemicals and minerals. That's all they could get for your vaporized body. Now, in 9-11, when that great tragedy happened, our government wanted to somehow comfort the people, make a statement to the world, and also help the economy because there might be all sorts of lawsuits. There were 2,973 people who lost their lives in 9-11. And so they were going to compensate people for their lives. And they wanted to determine how much is a life worth. Well, they decided that everyone, for that life, they would give 250000 And then for every dependent, for a wife or child, they would give another $100,000. And then, a third category is they would think about that wage earner's ability to earn a wage. And so if you were a doctor or you were a fireman, you would be compensated according to what your potential was as far as earning money. And that's how they decided to compensate people for the loss of life. Jesus placed a value on you. You're more valuable than all the treasures of this world, than all the insurance companies could possibly pay out. He gave his life for you. God paid the highest price possible. He went and he died on the cross for you. I know that parents would be willing to die for their children once they get out of the teenage years. <laughs> but as a parent, you know, you, 
you love your children and, and you're willing to, you'd be willing to die for them. Well, God was willing to die for us. Even when we were estranged from him and we didn't belong to him and we were in rebellion against him. He died for you. He died for me. He placed the highest value possible on you. That of his own son, his own life. He's the great shepherd. In Hebrews 13.20 it says, May God, who puts all things together, make all things whole, who made a lasting mark through the sacrifice of Jesus, the sacrifice of blood that sealed the eternal covenant, who led Jesus, our great shepherd, up and alive from the dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is our great shepherd. He went down to the grave, down to death, down to hell, to redeem us from our lostness, to bring us back from death to life. He is the good shepherd because he's devoted to the sheep, because he serves us sacrificially. The good shepherd also has an intimate relationship with us. That's the third characteristic. The closeness of the shepherd with the sheep. The shepherd's closeness to the sheep. I am the good shepherd, verse 14. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. God knows all about us. There's not anything that he doesn't know. But also he invites us to know him. Isn't that wonderful? He invites us into an intimate relationship with him. To know him. To know him is really to love him. In John 10, 4-5, it says, When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Sheep will not follow another shepherd as you walk with God you get to know his voice a new Christian saved a short amount of time could come to get to know God's voice now with years we ought to know that voice even better but when I read a story a number of years ago that I, I remember to this day it was about a new convert and an older Christian, and this older Christian was mentoring the new convert, and they happened to be going through the city, and there on the corner was a street preacher. He was eloquent, he was speaking well, but the older Christian knew that he was a part of a cult, that the message that he was speaking on the street, the street preacher, was not the truth. But it seemed like this young convert was mesmerized as he listened intently because this young convert was hungry to hear the word. And as he listened, the older Christian just simply prayed. He determined not to say anything. And when they were ready to leave, as they began to walk away, the older Christian said, well, what do you think? He said, all the while when he was speaking, I just felt something was so wrong. If you're listening today and you've recently placed your faith in Jesus, this has been a perfect message for you. 
The Gospel of John is one of the very best places in the whole of the Bible for new believers to begin studying. And it's not just for new believers either. For those of us who have walked with Jesus for some time, it's always a wonderful reminder of who we're following. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you'll find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith and to access an archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Voice of Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Voice of Faith.